Welcome back to the Pet Cash Pod presented by Mobius, where you can say goodbye to the frustration of being stuck at your computer during crucial sports games and not being able to watch. With AirScreen, which I am personally a user of, you can now put a full screen sports video behind all of the tasks that you're doing on your computer. So you can be literally answering emails and the video of the Australian Open can be playing or whatever. So super cool. Try today, AirScreen TV. Com. Today's podcast, we had Nick Riggle from Rugby Dow. We break down the state of rugby, all of the problems in it, why they decided to build Rugby Dow, Dow's themselves, why they're a cool model, where they can go in sports. Super insightful conversation, tons to learn in this one. I uh, am more and more fascinated with these community elements every day, and uh, Rugby Dow and Nick are doing some cool things. I think you'll uh, get a lot out of this one. I certainly did. Let's dive right into it. Nick, appreciate you coming on. This is uh, one I've been looking forward to, both because I am one of the early members of Rugby Dow, and also because it's a space I'm really looking to keep learning more about. So appreciate you uh, hopping on. Excited to dive into Dow's and Rugby Dow, and uh, just a, even a sport I'm I'm hearing more about. And uh, it's good to see the innovation taking place as it goes more global as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, lovely to um, lovely for the invite first, and it's I think it's always good to kind of chat and explore. Um, the story is evolving all the time, so to keep telling that story is a is a really interesting reflection every so often. Um, so it's kind of yeah. it's good to keep chatting about it. Yeah, and I want to start somewhere different than I typically would, but I was just actually on a call. It was very timely, and they, we were just talking <laughs> about community and how you build that, and obviously how sports is one of the best places to build community, both digitally and socially. And they were just saying, no matter a bull or a bear run. Uh, the community is always still there. And uh, it was just interesting. I guess uh, starting off with that, you know, what's your thoughts and learning uh, around building a community, which is a buzzword, but is a real thing as you've uh, taken this journey on rugby down, which we'll obviously dive much deeper into as we go throughout this. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's following the instincts and the kind of connective tissue with that community and understanding we from day dot decided to um, look for, you know, kind of the, the founding fathers and mothers who could help us mm. kind of define the low-hanging fruit, the things that were um, that everyone wanted to get behind. And so I think from my perspective, it's that, you know, what's the culture and common purpose around the community? And then, and then you know, it's almost member get member. The, the more you get that right, the more people bring other people into that space yeah. because there's a, you know, a, a clear common goal. Um, I, I, and I think certainly, you know, from a uh, from a from a sport perspective, that has existed, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's it's kind of nice to work in a space where where Web three, which is very much about that, you know, kind of distributed community and looking at things from a different perspective. How do you build those nodes and connections? It just maps really well to the culture and community of sport. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's interesting to see the two worlds intertwine. Um, in, in the call I was on, it was a, a Web3 sort of based thing, and they're shifting a little bit more to, towards sports betting because they still believe that there's a community or in fan engagement. But uh, anyway, I guess as we uh, before we get too deep into it, give us give us a little background of Rugby Dow 
how it came to be, some of the founding members, a little bit on yourself and the the problem that you saw that led to ultimately this this creation that uh, is uh, super cool as, as we dig deeper into it. So, um, yeah, so the Rugby DAO was originally conceived really to, uh, as, a, as an inflection point around the game and around understanding um, that there were some struggles in the game that we, we felt, certainly I felt, that community and the power of Web3 and the tools could help solve for. Um, ultimately, I just got bored of talking shop with pals about what we should do and what we could do. Mm-hmm. And I said, right, I'm going to write down what I think the, you know, the potential levers and the, the power behind the mechanics of a DAO and the technology could help solve for and uh, started sharing it with people. And so the inception really was the origin story behind it was uh, everyone's you know, very good at talking about what we should do. And perhaps the mechanics and the structure isn't there to enable those people to come together and actually deliver against some of that talk. Yeah. And uh, previous to the rugby DAO, you know, what was some of your background or uh, what, what were some of the things you were doing? Because obviously I'm sure there was some skill sets or Web3 or DAO or something where you knew this was the model uh, as well. Yeah. So I've, I've worked in and out of sport and sports sponsorship and brands for a number of years. My background actually uh, way back when is in advertising, digital advertising and the marketing space. Um, but for the last six or seven years, I've, I worked in um, AR, VR and XR. So I was looking at the impact of those technologies on engagement in sport, on building the virtual layer on top of the real world, and then on how you could start to uh, coalesce and, and bring people together as a consequence of those shared experiences. So I worked in the... Um, on projects which were looking at the strategic natural extension of real world experiences, a, a virtual version, how those two worlds or experiences could interact. Um, and then that got me probably about three or four years ago into, okay, what are the tokens and assets? What are the doors? What are the entry points into those kind of worlds and universes? And that, um, uh, you know, that opened the door to, uh, Web three to to um, to tokens to uh, digital asset classes and and you know it went on from there pretty quick. Yeah, and what got you excited? I guess about that model, uh, and if you can also explain a little bit about DAOs, and then that will uh, probably lead us perfectly into exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah, so I think the exciting thing was um, I very much have a view that I think there is a there is a more equitable kind of stakeholder landscape in most ecosystems, in most places, in most in sports, probably in most kind of commercial sectors as well. Um, and I feel the sustainable growth uh, of many of those kind of sectors is based upon uh, stakeholder inclusivity. So the idea mm-hmm. that anyone who's um, uh, creating value or um, engaging in an ecosystem should have um, more of a say about how that value helps you know grow that ecosystem and potentially be able to store and share in that value. And so I think you know that that was the the, the core premise for me was okay. It's interesting. 
um, from AR and VR and XR, what we're creating is asset classes. Then we're starting to switch in, okay, well, who owns the assets? And then we have the underlying technology that enables you know, distributed ownership, distributed community, um, and uh, distance intermediation of you know some kind of institutional structures that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying I think there's something complementary that helps other people kind of you know engage and get into some of these spaces quicker. Yeah, and as you were building, uh, obviously the inception of Rugby Dow is right in the middle of uh, a bear market. Obviously, it's starting to come out of that now. Uh, but did that play any challenges or any second thoughts around it when when that was going on, or was it actually better to be innovating during that time period? I think it was better for us. There was a lot more clarity, and also there was um, there were more difficult questions to answer. You know. Is it the same as whatever exists? Is it a copy-paste? Um, or is it genuinely different? And how do you think it could have a positive impact versus you know, um, a, a cookie-cutter approach? So actually, it, it meant that from the get-go, I spent much more time thinking about the strategic motivation behind what we're doing and validating that, as opposed to it being, hey, there's, you know, um, there's there's uh, a lot of liquidity in the market. We can deploy it wherever we want to. It was actually that there's less. We're going to be a much more prudent and focused around: is this real? Could it could it you know is it differentiated and could it actually make a difference? And so actually, it probably helped us validate you know the the, the role and mission of the DAO and also flushed a little bit of that um, uh, intangible nature of you know projects in the space which which were just growing pains really yeah and give us uh give us the rundown on some of these other projects and learnings from them uh we've seen in golf uh link style and basketball crowd house or however you say that one i always mess that name <laughs> up and, people, and uh there was a pickleball dow i think there was a few of them uh uh, sale gp i know did some stuff yeah. um in that space but uh you know still very very early uh definitely rugby dow would be a pioneer in the space but had at least a few early movers before it in different niches within sports to give some some learning so curious what you guys picked up on from from some of those other projects yeah we i mean we definitely learned early that it wasn't just about replicating or following the nature of sports DAOs for rugby. And from the get-go understood that actually our, our power was building, you know, those innovators and the, the change makers who want to lean in and, and maybe don't have those mechanics. So it wasn't about saying, okay, let's build a, a treasury and go and deploy that treasury to buy a thing. What we realized and with the learning we took was rugby's in a different position culturally and from a community perspective and also there was a inflection point around the global game and that helped us understand that actually there's a load of passion there's some super capable people who want to um impart change or just explore new ways of you know kind of uh, building the game but there was just no mechanic for them to do it so our version of that learning was just don't create a you know, the same version, the, the same operating model of a DAO for another sport, but truly understand where's the value, where's the community at, and what can that kind of infrastructure and, and even ethos help deliver? 
Yeah, and Link Style, they were trying to basically build a, a membership around it. Uh, the House was trying to buy an NBA team. Both have been in different uh, sort of – they've changed strategies a little bit. Now, from Rugby Dow, you're not from the, the likes of it, right, coming on saying, hey, we're trying to buy some big professional rugby team. You're not coming on saying, hey, we're trying to own – and this doesn't even really apply, but like a rugby field or something – so, you know, what are you guys trying to do? What is Rugby Dow? And, uh, you know, how are you explaining it to uh, to all the different stakeholders as you bring them onto and into this? Yeah, I, and I think that's the interesting point probably to start at. There's so many different kind of groups of state, stakeholders in this, you know, in, in the Rugby Dow play. But ultimately, what we want to do is help prepare rugby for the next 200 years. And so our mission is, okay... Uh, instead of going from what exists, let's come back from what's going to exist and prepare the playing talent, the clubs, the fans, everyone involved in the game who wants to contribute to understand how the technology can help build that more sustainable model. Um, and for, for rights holders, you know, it's finding the right timing and the framing. Okay, is it about accelerating additive revenue? Is it about understanding more about your, you know, your fan base? Um, is it about extending your fan bases? Is it about you know digital asset classes and what's the next version of of a you know marketing or loyalty program? But then you look at fans who really um, it's not about saying okay we have a distressed asset here the fans are going to take over own the thing and we're going to climb the ranks and there's going to be you know this club that is that is fan owned. It's about saying where do you contribute now? You know, there's there's over 800 million people who participate in rugby, right? Sorry, 8 million people who participate in rugby across across the globe. There's 850 million plus who have watched the, you know, the last couple of versions of the Rugby World Cup. It's a big sport and and people are contributing in loads of different ways. But perhaps, uh, you know, they were not unlocking the power of that community with the structure that's existed for the last 200 years. Yeah, and so what is rugby Dow like? How what's the transformation within this, uh, you know, within this ecosystem of rugby? Like you said, which is pretty big. And, and where does it fall? I'm curious before we go deeper into that, where does it fall in terms of uh, sizing of compared to other sports? Like, is it, you know, where is it sort of in the? Is it in the top ten? It has to be pretty pretty high up there. It, it is, and I think interestingly, the numbers change vastly over the size of the game you know so a, a world rugby would look at the game globally and look at the you know the value that it creates in the in the billions so you can actually go 888 so you can go um world rugby would say that the value created um from the game is is eight billion dollars globally then you coming down to 850 million fans who've watched the last couple of rugby world cups in in, in france last year and, and previously in in Japan, then you're looking at you know another order of magnitude, um, uh, actually two orders of magnitude down, and you've got about eight million people participating in the game, either an amateur, coaching, grassroots, mm-hmm. and professional level. But actually, when you dig below the surface of the the top tier professional game, there isn't there isn't a huge amount of depth to the professional and semi professional game. So grassroots goes a long way up the pyramid. Mm. 
in terms of the the people who pick up the ball and play the play the game, but also those who then support from a club level. You know, and and so I think right. it's interesting. What does that look like uh, globally? Yeah, it's it's in the top it's in the top ten, and um, depending on how you cut things, and I think you know you can look at some some different sports in terms of you know, f- uh, football or or soccer, um, uh, and then uh, cricket, and you know rugby's up there, um, uh, but it's I think under commercialised certainly, and we've seen that in the in the you know the fragility of the sport over the last eighteen months. And what countries while we're on that. Uh- are the most popular for rugby because I think in America, uh, which is most of this podcast listening base, we don't see much. It's not on TV. We don't hear much. But it, like you said, it's a it's a big sport. So where where is it sort of uh, you know the most popular? Yeah. So you get you what you have is you have the uh, the European clubs. You'd have those who are the founding fathers of what would be called the Six Nations, so um, England, France, um, uh, Ireland, Wales, uh, Scotland. Um, uh, Italy was added to that, and then so that we that would probably be cons- considered the you know the kind of most developed nations in Europe. Um, but there's a real group of kind of challenger countries coming up behind them: um, uh, Spain. Uh, Germany, the Netherlands, Portugal, um, you know, so so Europe does a there's a kind of a particip- participation base, um, and then you go into um, kind of Asia Pac. So you would go down to uh, New Zealand, Australia, Japan. Um, you have uh, uh, a lot of historical kind of players in in somewhere like Hong Kong as well. Um, and of course, you've got South Africa as well, who's you know been a significant player in the game. So, I mean, they're, they're you know they're countries. Some some of those countries uh, have smaller populations. So, for example, somewhere like New Zealand, um, that the men's team, all the All Blacks, have a, a huge amount of brand value associated to to, to their IP. But there's only you know there's four or five million people in New Zealand, so. It's right. a big imbalance in terms of the value and the the, the heritage and the prestige behind the game, um, versus the you know the populations, um, and then of course it's it's actually flushed back through to the Americas as well. So um, within kind of APAC, you'll get um, uh, the Pacific Islands as well, who have a, a real heritage in certain um, formats of the game and have, have actually distributed a lot of their players to different parts of the globe. And then you come back into the South Americas and the, the North America as well. So, you know, Canada, US, Argentina, Uruguay, a lot of these places that these countries here who, who actually have a really interesting, um, a cultural, um, match with the, uh, the right. culture and the, the, you know, the kind of, um, uh, the values of rugby. And so you're starting to see them have more participation in the game. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's global. Um, yeah, and- I mean it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty global, and it's and I think what's happening now is what you're starting to see is that those 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 countries, those nations who've been playing for a period of time, are now starting to struggle a little bit with how they increase or retain the participation in the game. 
and the and there are a, a growing set of developing nations who are getting more traction. So, you know, a Portugal or an India or a Netherlands or a you know, they, you know, there's there's the Uruguay. There's the, these kind of nations who was who are they're just getting people who are picking a ball up and playing. Hmm. And in terms of the business model behind Rugby Dow, you know, what does that look like? I don't think a lot of people even understand how these entities. Uh, function so that'd be great if you can give us some insight into that yeah absolutely so i uh, i mean the business model i would say is uh no two revenue streams are made the same um i think when we initially set out we thought okay there's a rights holder here we can work on let's let's work on a project or a program which starts to define and generate future revenue additive revenue which sits alongside the um what currently exists and then we'll work on a revenue share model. Um, so that was one model, which frankly, actually from day dot, we went, okay, this is really powerful. We need to find more of these. And then suddenly we flip into, uh, well, actually there's an interesting um, a, a product model where we're, we're building something from scratch and then, you know, we'll be own or li- owning or licensing a product which generates revenues. Then there's a, a broader engagement around, um, uh, you know, around kind of uh, almost, you know, kind of consulting and innovating and being a bit of a um, an accelerator for some of those early adopters who are like, okay, how can we bring the right partners together? Well, within the DAO, we have we have loads of kind of early adopter stakeholders, and we have Web three technology partners. We have rights holders, and by bringing them together and uh, and testing some of their um, projects and scaling them, there's also different revenue models there. So it's, it's, it's not cut and dry at the moment, which is interesting, but also um, it makes it more complex in the, the current phase of growth in terms of, okay, well, what does it look like and how does the business work? Where do you see uh, rugby uh, and then obviously rugby Dow in five years as this plays out like what does that look like of because you talked about the problems earlier and hey everyone talks about this we're going to do it but what does sort of that i know there's never an end goal it's just a, it's the journey right but like what is farther enough along where you can see where you're like okay we got this to a much better place than it is uh currently yeah so i i, I think for rugby um, a much more open and equitable, a transparent ecosystem that works for the growth of the game. I think, um, you know, I think the future has to be about understanding the next couple of generations that have, have just flipped the, the, you know, the, the previous two, stroke three, who have very different values. And I think, you know, rugby uh, needs to be in a place where they can, uh, you know, uh, address and and respond and and build the future of the game around those new values, around um, distributed authority, around new asset classes, around the roles and responsibilities of, of stakeholders in the game. And I think, so my version of that is, um, in simple terms, a much more transparent and balanced ecosystem for everyone in the game, stakeholders, more icons. We've got to make. We've got to. We've got to uh, create more icons and and connect them directly to fans, because you know s- sport, unlike any other kind of sector, f- fans are actually relatively um, uh, 
are, you know, consistent and they're not moving around loads of different pods and modules and ways of using services and things. They are, you know, very loyal and engaged and, and, and tend to be quite, you know, single-minded. And, but, but what we're seeing certainly in rugby now is the start of a new generation of icons being created. And I think fans are going to start to follow some of those icons around the fandom of those, those icons in the game. So we just need to make sure that we can create more of those those icons and we can connect the right relationship between them and the fans so they feel, you know, so they can connect with the right values of, of you know, uh, Gen Y, Gen Z and even Alpha. Yeah, and interestingly too, an advantage for rugby is they don't have as much gear as, say, American football. So it should be, in essence, a little bit easier to do that. Uh, but we'll see. And then also some of my... Uh, some of my buddies that, that are big rugby guys are always like, man, if you understood rugby, you would like it. Like you Americans would like it so much better than this crap football you watch already. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's just what you grow up with, but it's uh, always yeah, interesting I, to hear them say that. So I, th- I think what's interesting is I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that, that the complexity of the games are vastly different. I just think, you know, some of the American sports have done a really, really good job of p- positioning and, and making it simple to engage with. And um, it, rugby at its heart is a you know it's a very pure game. It has a a, 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 a really strong community and, a, and it and it creates and grows and helps support individuals in you know ways other sports can't. Um, and that's really the reason why, as you, you said earlier on, where does rugby need to get to? I think it's about you know creating those icons and connecting them more directly with fans and understanding how we. You bring all of those stakeholders to the table, and and for me, the you know my original I wrote down. I, I said I want the rugby DAO to be the new operating system for rugby. I want it to be the way that um, the game, you know, behaves, uh, communicates, connects, and grows. And you know, and and you say you know you ask what's the five year goal? Well, that's going to take time, right? Right. And that's going to have to be complementary to what exists, and it's going to have to help solve some of the things that are challenges in the marketplace. And it's going to have to work with those who, um, you know, are able and have those kind of targets in their heads-up display. Where can uh, where can we learn more as we round out here? What you have websites, socials, or, or any way people that can engage with uh, the rugby dial and follow yeah, along absolutely. for updates or get involved or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think the the most recent thing that we did was we we spun up the Rugby Dow Discord, um, mm. so that um, launched in December time. So <clears throat> whilst it's early stages, there's a, l- a lot of great content and engagement that's going to come down the pipe. And and certainly, what we've seen so far is, you know, f- from a uh, yeah from a small base, we've got interesting and you know kind of great engagement. So so Discord is the place that we're going to start building out. The rugby clubhouse, right? The 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 new version of, of fandom and connecting to fans. Um, sorry, connecting fans to you know to talent and to help grow the game and build that strong distributed global community. Um, but you know, for those old schoolers, we've still got the you know the twitters and if you're in the business mm-hmm. and rights holders um, kind of space, um, LinkedIn as well. And then we're starting to explore some of the other kind of more um web three based social platforms as well but i would say fan you're you know fan i would go um discord and twitter and then and have 
have a bit of patience because we're still working on, you know, how some of those kind of platforms work best for the community and how we bring those right, you know, the right folks in. And then if you're in a kind of more of a commercial and right space, um, then, you know, LinkedIn and our website is probably the place place to play. We've also got a small, um, as you referenced earlier on, a, a kind of founding community on WhatsApp, but that's the, that's the um, you know three hundred odd folks who are helping us um, kind of build those foundational building blocks. So you know at the moment um, we're going on the journey from centralized to decentralized. So there's some things that we're working in smaller groups before we open up. Right, love that, love that. Well, Nick, appreciate you coming on, sharing more. Um, it's exciting. It's going to be curious to see. It's a good test case for obviously rugby, and you know, believe it can work. But hopefully. Uh, can open it up for some other sports also uh, because like you said, the transparency around the community is where, where a lot of this needs to head. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for your time, Andrea. It's been great to chat and um, uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure we can come back and uh, probably in three weeks, not even three months or six <laughs> months, uh, everything will be completely different, but uh, it's been yep. lovely to share the journey so far with you.